You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Check out their spring collection. Go to LinkSoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to NestBedding.com. Looking for the latest on the A's minor leagues? One of the latest additions to A's Cast is The Farm. A look around the minor leagues with interviews, updates, and profiles on the future A's tearing up the minors. Welcome to our A's Farm Podcast. I'm your host, AthleticsFarm.com Editor-in-Chief Bill Moriarty. And today, we're going to be talking with A's Minor League Pitching Coordinator, Gil Patterson. He's been the man in charge of overseeing the development of all the A's Minor League pitchers for many years now. And we recently took the chance to get his insights on a number of the A's most promising young pitching prospects. Hey, thanks for joining me today, Gil. Bill, my pleasure. We had an 11 o'clock game this morning here in Midland with 3,000 screaming kids. I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> well, I'm sure they did, too. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's a, a number of uh, pitching prospects for the A's that I want to ask you about today. But before we get into to talking about all these individual guys, both at Midland and, and the other affiliates, I want to start out just asking you a little bit uh, about about pitching philosophy, particularly as it pertains to workload these days. You know, it seems like pitchers are throwing less and less all the time, uh, both in the major leagues and the minor leagues, uh, both in the A system and and every other system. It seems like guys are throwing less and less all the time. But I'm curious to know, from your point of view, what is, what's the current philosophy pertaining to pitchers' workloads, how much you want to see them throw, how much you want to hold them back, What's the approach to, to that whole question like these days? No, Bill, I, I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, and if I had the answer, I would sell it to everyone for only a dollar and I would still make millions. Um, but you're, you're right. Um, and with all, with everything being better now, with strength and conditioning, uh, with the strength coaches, with the uh, athletic trainers, with arm care, and with biomechanics, and, and, and it's crazy. It, it's still crazy about the number of injuries. And, and arguably, uh, I, I guess guys are throwing harder. I don't think they're throwing more. And, you know, I think the other thing is, too, people, when they got hurt years ago, they just, like, retired or got released. There wasn't surgery. So, arguably, we didn't hear about it as much. But I tell you, with our organization – they dive into every area of the medical world and of the pitching world to try to decide. And sometimes I think the biggest thing is sometimes players telling us how they're feeling um, because it's one of those things, even when we try to say sometimes, where's your gas tank, whether it be in the third, fourth, fifth inning, sixth inning. And so we don't want them to tell us um, – that they're tired. That's, you know, because no one will ever tell you, I want to get taken out. So we just say, where's the gas tank sometimes? And not everybody does it with us, but you know, and there's a feel too. All of a sudden, sometimes the velo doesn't drop, but the, the consistency of first strikes does. 
Sometimes we see a delivery getting underneath the ball, a shorter stride, not as much extension. So there's some variables that we can tell about when a pitcher is getting tired before he maybe tells us. But uh, I am right with you. It's, it's not an easy science. And I think sometimes players or pitchers telling us how they're feeling, uh, even when, when it's like, Bill, you're up today. Even though you hadn't, even though you pitched last night only one inning and 12 pitches, you should be able to pitch tonight. And if you say, Gil, I can't go, well, then, you know, you, you can't go. Um, but it is, we, like I said, we do have pitch limits uh, for starters. We do have, if you throw a certain amount of pitches, how many days you need off. And like I said, our, our athletic trainers and our medical staff uh, just do a great job of trying to educate us as pitching coaches and managers on what and when they can't be used and how many days off they need. But it is still, you know, uh, a work in progress. It really is because right. the best thing for everybody is no one ever get hurt. And unfortunately, that's not happening. <laughs> that's for sure. Well, one thing also that's for sure is we're, we're not going to see another Mickey Lolich anytime soon, I think. Uh, guys throwing a 300 innings a year. Uh, <laughs> it, it is. No, it is crazy. It, it's like, should we try to do it again? I mean, I don't know. I mean, like you said, now, if someone has 200 innings, you're really happy. And 200 innings, you were like the fifth guy on the staff because the other four had 250 to 290 and 300. So, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> Definitely a different world. Well, let's talk about some of these some of these guys in the A system, some of these pitching prospects we've got our eyes on. And like you mentioned, I know you're in Midland right now, and there are a lot of uh, – interesting pitching prospects down there to talk about. And I wanted to start out by asking you about Ryan Cusick. You know, he's a guy who came over last year in the Matt Olson deal, struggled a bit at double A, was maybe pushed a little bit to be at that level. This season, he's got an ERA, I think, right around two at this point. And uh, I don't think he gave up a run in his last two outings. But he's still been walking an awful lot of guys. He's somehow been managing to limit the damage. But uh, where do you feel things are at with Ryan Cusick at uh, this stage of the game? Well, you know, the, the thing about him is he changed his delivery on his own this offseason. And he went from kind of a high tilt guy to now a low tilt guy. And he he lost some of his vertical break. Vertical break is, you know, guys that maybe he can throw a little bit more up in the strike zone. It looks like it takes off. And um, we have some people here, uh, Dan Hubbs, Pike. Pike is also very influential in helping us with analytics just maybe trying to get him back to where even though delivery is better and the numbers are better to try to get more of that vertical break. But the very bottom line is this, and, and Emo always says this, and so does Cots, uh, get outs, just get outs. Arguably, I don't care how you get them, although we're going to have a game plan for them or with them, but get me outs. And you're exactly right. He's getting outs. He's becoming – kind of a power pitcher rather than just like I'm going to grunt and groan and throw it as hard as I can. And because you're right, last year wasn't pretty. Um, and then he had the little, the little, uh, you know, the rib thing, but he has come back this year, tweaked his delivery. Still, he's still trying to find the niche for him, but he's gaining, he's gaining ground. And like you said, the numbers, as far as runs given up, which, isn't always the best indicator, but 
heck, I'd still rather have a 2.50 than an 8.50, and he is doing that. But you're right. We've got to now hone in from what the delivery you have uh, to let's maybe fill up the strike zone a little bit more more consistently to lower the walks. Right. Well, like I said, at least, at least it is good to see that two ERA as opposed to that seven ERA. So at least we're, we're headed in the right direction yes. there. <laughs> another yes. another guy who came over in that uh, Matt Olson deal last year from Atlanta is Joey Estes. You know, he's still just 21 years old. He had a really solid year at Lansing last year. He got off to a really good start there at Midland. I know his last couple of starts have been a little shaky, but again, he's a guy who's just 21 years old and it seems like he's shown an awful lot thus far. But uh, what have you seen out of Joey Estes since he's been with the A's? No, the same thing. And, you know, we have, uh, like I said, with Pike and Hubby and all the people that David and the organization has hired to kind of help the pitching get better. You know, it's, you, you know, you talk about you talk about players wanting to get better and pitchers year to year. Uh, you know, David's trying to do things to help us as an organization to get our coaches better, to help the players get better. And with Joey, you're right. For his age, he he is a great competitor, and and if if not all the guys, most of them are, you know. But with Joey, he is still he's still trying to find his little niche on whether or the slider that sweeps more, or the one that goes straight down. He does have a changeup that has good bottom. He fills up the strike zone. He's got a fastball from a vertical and horizontal break that not many people have even in the big leagues. So he's got an outlier there and it's just great to see it. And I, I guess our, our goal is that from start to start, but definitely from month to month, you get a little bit better in all the areas that are important to us. And that is basically filling up a strike zone, first pitch strikes, one, one conversions, strike percentage, swing and miss, and low damage. I mean, that's what, if you said, let's build a pitching dynasty, which Oakland has had for years, you know, especially with Emo running the ship, is that we do things like this. And, you know, you're going to have a couple roller coaster years sometimes, but that is still the goal. What can we do to help these guys get better in the areas that I just talked about? Uh, well, another guy that I'm, I'm, Curious to hear uh, what what you're working on to get better is another guy there at Midland, and that's uh, Roy Salinas, who came over in the Sean Murphy deal from Atlanta this offseason. You know, he's currently leading the uh, A's minor league system in strikeouts. He got off to a really good start. He's obviously got some some really good stuff, but, you know, his last couple outings have been a little shaky once again, uh, but he's certainly shown some talent. So I'm curious to see what uh, what you think uh, needs to happen with uh, Roy Bersalinas to really maximize the uh, the talent that he's got. Yeah, you know, you know, I, I guess, I mean, maybe a lot of people and much more educated and talented than I am can make, can make this a true or false statement. You know, I, I think sometimes getting from A ball to double A is sometimes the highest. Double A to triple A, triple A to the big leagues might be easier to go from A ball to double A. And with Roiber, um, the stuff is there. The stuff is plus probably with a fastball, um, a slider, and a curve. And then you know as well as I do, and probably all the people listening to us, is you've got, regardless of how good it is, if you can't throw it in the box, it doesn't matter. And arguably, that's what he has to do a little bit more of 
including um, it seems like the biggest issues he has is sometimes having a first inning where he's locked in and focused. And I'm not going to say he's not locked in, but there still needs to be maybe a little fire under his belt. Heck, I remember back in the day when, whether it be Catfish Hunter in my day and then Glavin and then Maddox, sometimes they would say, if you don't get him in the first and second, you ain't going to get him. And I mean, I think some people get that, but if we can help him not give up a two, three spot in the first and second and, and pitch into the fifth, sixth and seventh with two runs, I'm okay. And I think that's our next objective is just getting him locked in early uh, and maybe, and maybe just filling up the strike zone earlier in, in the, uh, in the count. Well, I'll tell you another another interesting guy there at Midland who's just a recent arrival is Grant Holman out of uh, Cal. Uh, he spent some time on the injured list and uh, came back this year, started at Lansing, and you started him out in the bullpen there. Uh, he used to be a starter, and now he's been pitching out of the bullpen in Midland, been throwing really well. Uh, was the move to the bullpen basically to just kind of, you know, get him to, to, to make that move up the ladder a little more quickly with the stuff he's got, thinking that, that throwing out of the bullpen might help him uh, move along a little more quickly? Yeah, I think you kind of nailed it right on the head. And, and of course, him uh, performing would have the biggest barometer on whether he moved or not. But I think maybe in the past, maybe the workload uh, – in you know, in each person's case, you know, it's almost like, well, heck, if Rivera, Rivera was so good, why don't you let him pitch seven innings like he did rather than just one? So I, I think going forward, um, and other people have done it backwards, too. They've been a bullpen guy, then they pitch well enough, and they end up starting. But I think the plan with him going forward for now is with the success he's having, um, keep him going. Keep him healthy. You know, you get him up, you get him in the game. Um, you know, it's not like he's got to get, you know, our, our managers and, uh, uh, with, like I said, with Spreggy and Medical and David Forrest, they, they kind of develop a plan for us and then we follow it here. And I think the plan for him is at his stage, you get him up, get him in the game. And you kind of, you know, he's not going to go two innings one day and two innings the next, although not many people are going to do that. But we're, we're going to be – not more careful with him than everyone because we're careful with everybody. doesn't matter. Um, but with him, it's worked very well so far. We've developed a strategy with Brian Shulman this uh, spring training with medical about, okay, let's kind of do this uh, from a one inning, a day or two off, two innings, and maybe, you know. So we have done a good job of making sure that his return to pitching for his next game, that he feels good. And that's, that's the key. And then so far – like you said, Bill, so far, so good. Well, another guy in a very similar situation as Holman is uh, Dominican right-hander Jorge Juan, who uh, you know uh, used to be looked at as a starter. He's been pitching out of the Lansing bullpen, racking up strikeouts like crazy. I think he's been averaging you know two strikeouts per inning in the bullpen for Lansing, and he was just promoted to Midland as well. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what you've seen out of uh, Jorge Juan and, and what you see uh, his potential is? Yeah, you know, um, we have, well, when I was with the Yankees, we had El Duque Hernandez. Um, and so when I sent him down to Dominican, he always told the Latin pitchers, when you pitch, it's with Cabeza, Corazon, and Cojones. So I said, I loved it. When I came here, I used it with all the Latin pitchers. 
And it was just a sign of encouragement, support. And then we would call out their names like El Leon, you're a lion when you pitch. El Oso, you're a bear when you pitch. And so this spring, Juan, Jorge Juan has a demeanor of almost kindness and softness. And it's like when you pitch, you're a lion. When you don't pitch, you can go be the softest, gentlest man you could be to everybody. But when you pitch, you're a lion. And so we had a little together meeting, and I'm not sure that that's I'm, – I'm sure that's turned the corner for him, his discussion with me, but he, ha- he has, Bill, to your thought. He has turned it around uh, from a perspective of your, – you're right. He's averaged two strikeouts per nine. But he's also, also averaged like six or seven walks per nine. And you're right. The more you strike out, the more you can deal with the walks. But our goal is to why not have three walks per nine and still 15 strikeouts per nine? Why can't we do that? And that's, that's our goal with him. And like you said, uh, today when I spoke with him when I got here, um, you know, I just told him how happy and proud I was of him. But, again, the goal – is not completed. You know, now it's the next step. And there's going to be, you know, it's going to be different here in double A. Like I said, it'll be interesting to see, just like we said earlier, if he can do the same thing that he did in Lansing here. Um, But there is, I mean, that's what, just like we said earlier, the biggest goal is from game to game. What did you learn? What can you carry with you and make yourself better for the next game? You know, and we all we all know it's not going to go steadily up. It's going to be a roller coaster, but you want the roller coaster going more uphill than you do down. But I'm very encouraged with him. Fastball with good carry, hammer curveball, and a changeup that he can use as well. Well, hopefully, uh, pitching out of the bullpen, he he can continue to be more of a lion on the mound. Anyway, <laughs> like, yeah, like, like, like you mentioned, you know, speaking about him, it just reminded me of another guy I'd, I'd kind of forgotten about that I think you're doing the same thing with again is uh, Colin Palouse in Vegas. Uh, he had been a starter his whole career, and um, you know, I noticed he's been throwing out of the bullpen there uh, pretty much exclusively this month, and I think he's thrown uh, maybe seven scoreless innings out of the bullpen. Uh, are you looking to convert uh, Palouse into a bullpen arm at this point as well? Yeah, yeah, you know, and you know as well as I do, uh, you know, David, Finey, uh, Spraggy, they kind of give us direction. Um, but, you know, us down here, um, it we, we just couldn't take that final step with a, a pitch or two, mostly the breaking ball and the changeup, to, to go through the lineup that second and third time sometimes. And, heck, I saw the game in Sugarland where he went five scoreless. So I, I've seen him do it. But just as you said, the consistency um, wasn't quite there. And so when the decision was made, it's like, okay, we're going to have these guys start. And so let's put Colin knowing that he can go a little bit of multiple innings if needed. But like you said, Bill, so far in the small sample size, he can command the heck out of his fastball, and they're not getting good swings. And he can almost run through a lineup for an inning or two and not use anything other than his fastball, although his, he continues to work his butt off on his little split and his breaking ball. So 
um, from a work ethic and character and cabeza cortisone cojones, he's got everything you would want from a kid uh, to try to pitch with. You, you know, another guy there in Vegas I wanted to ask you about is uh, left-hander Hogan Harris. You know, he's always had the stuff. He, as we all know, had a lot of control issues, uh, particularly earlier this season. But I noticed in his last couple of starts, I think he's given up just uh, one run. And I think in his last start, he walked just one guy, which is, uh, you know, a lot better than earlier in the year when it seemed like he was walking half a dozen guys in every outing. Uh, have you seen something uh, change? Have you seen uh, Hogan Harris turn the corner a little bit here lately? Yeah, he quit listening to Brian Corey. <laughs> That's the uh, AAA pitching coach, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, kind of a funny story, and this is where, you know, again, with Pike and Hubby and Craig Lefferts, uh, the other pitching coordinator assistant with me, and so, you know, everybody, all staff guys, all want to help water the seed, right? They all do, and we try to tell them that feel comfortable you have the autonomy to say, you know, you're giving me too much. Let me just kind of do this by myself. And so after Hubby and I were there last week or in Sugar Lamb, he kind of told Brian after them. And he had, of course, when I was there, he had four shutout innings. Okay. So it was all me. <laughs> but then, but then the next game or two, he struggled, as you said. And so he told Brian, he says, Brian, I appreciate Gil, Hubby, you give me all this information. He says, can I just kind of go on my own? And, you know, Brian called me and said, like, what should I do? I said, let him do it. You'd be there for encouragement and support. If it works, it's win-win, right? Oakland wins and the kid wins. If it doesn't work, then it's like he'll, he'll say to you, okay, what do you got? My way didn't work. Give me everything you got and we'll go for it. And arguably, maybe that's the way it should be. And he has certainly proven. Now, I think him and Brian the other day had a side where Brian told him to kind of speed up his arm on his curveball because it was kind of slow. And he says, oh, I like this. And so it's not like he was being disrespectful talking about Hogan. He just said, let me let me kind of go. And Bill, it's in, in the two outings since I've been very happy. You know, very happy. And so I gave him a couple of texts on that. And uh, I said, well, why don't you tell us this earlier? So he just kind of laughed. <laughs> but, but no, it's, it's been good. You know, and what he did last year was a credit to all of us as a, as a, as a staff and a pitching group to help him get better, to go from Lansing to Midland to Vegas, you know, in one half a year or one year. And so we're just happy for him and, uh, want him to continue to progress. Well, as I'm sure you know and will agree, you you got to be open to whatever works in this game, right? <laughs> Without question, yes. <laughs> um, uh, and then I wanted to ask you about a guy who's, you know, up in Oakland now, but uh, Luis Medina, um, you know, what, in the time that he's been with the A's, what have you seen out of him, and what do you think uh, he needs to do to make it all click? And, uh, you know, what, what, what kind of potential do you ultimately see for Medina? Yeah, he and I... We're almost on, what do you call that when you, you're on speed dial? Someone's speed dial. But, <laughs> um, you know, everyone that's helped water the seed with him, and a lot of people have, um, he wants it so badly. And we just had a discussion about just you need to want it in every area, not just throwing a baseball hard. You need 
to be a good teammate, to be a relentless approach to all the things that it needs to be, from game planning to preparing yourself in the gym with arm care, with the pitching coach. And so he's been tremendous. And so the game in Anaheim, you know, when he got back to me, he says, I'm better than this. He says, don't worry, I am better than this. And, heck, sometimes I talk to the guys about Gladix, uh, Maddox, and Glavin, and Smoltz, their first year, they were like 4-12 and 12 in the big leagues. And it's like, you know something? I tell you what, Hall of Famers were 4-12 and 12 their first year in the big leagues. So, so it doesn't mean settle. It just means let's just learn and get better from game to game. And I think the biggest run from his last game was it against Texas the other day. He just, we talk about just filling it up, fill up, good rhythm, attack the strike zone, and follow Emo's game plan because he puts a lot of work into the game plans. And so he did. He did. And it was nice to see and looking forward to that, I think, tomorrow night again. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, certainly if he can build off that last start, uh, he'll be headed in the right direction. Um, okay, let me uh, quickly ask you about a few guys uh, down in A-ball uh, before we wrap this up here. A couple of guys at uh, Lansing that are interesting to me are uh, Blake Beers and Jack Perkins. Uh, Blake Beers had a pretty good season last year before he got injured, put up a lot of strikeouts. Jack Perkins was, uh, I believe, your fifth-round draft pick last year, and he just came out of the gate blazing in in Lansing he was almost unhittable in April I know his last couple starts uh, haven't been quite so sharp but uh, he certainly made a great impression early this season can you talk to me a little bit about Blake Beers and Jack Perkins and what you've seen out of those two guys you're right I mean to the development of Blake uh, has been tremendous from uh, Heck, if, tell me if I'm wrong. Did he get like a thousand dollars to sign or something? <laughs> not that money's not that the, not that money's everything, right? It, it's not. But he, he certainly wasn't a, 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 a highly yeah. prized draft pick anyway. Yeah. <laughs> the kid got heart. He works, and he can spin a slider like nobody's business. And he was a little stubborn at times, but he has slowly softened up. And so what we've done with him is take his stubbornness and work with it to make him more stubborn <laughs> almost. And Bill, it's been nice. I mean, the other day the, you know, the, was it, the, was it this? Okay. He had a game. We had like five incredible innings. Then they gave up some runs in the sixth, and that might've been the game against West Michigan. And I called him. I said, don't let that sixth inning, mess you up in the head about the first five, you know, because right. it's like if a guy throws, you know, we preach changeup, a guy throws 10 changeups, gives up a homer, gets nine swing and misses. What do you think he remembers about his changeup? He gave up a homer and it's like, come on, you're, you're better than that. Uh, and so, so Blake Beers, he can sink it. He's got a good sinker at times. And last year's he fought us with a changeup, but the other day he almost had more swing and miss with his changeup than his slider but the slider is major league and plus. And so it's just nice to see him growing. Just like we said before, from game to game, Perkins is a friggin' beast. Not that Blake isn't, but he's a beast and he wants to get better 
forget about game to game. He wants to get better from pitch to pitch. And it's a great thing. Him and Hubby have been together with Don Schulze, our Lansing pitching coach, about maybe developing a little bit more depth to his breaking ball. But he's great. He pushes it to the limit every time he pitches. And it's just it's great to see. I mean, great to see. Those two guys, like you said, are just really fun to work with and going to be fun to watch going forward. Yeah, they definitely have uh, made things uh, really interesting in the early going there in Lansing. I, I wanted to wrap up by asking you about a couple guys at Stockton uh, who you know, were pretty much the best pitchers there for the ports in the early going. Uh, one is Jake Garland, who is very similar to Blake Beers. I think he was your 17th round draft pick last year. I mean, when he started pitching for the ports this year, I got to be honest, I didn't really recognize the name, you know, <laughs> but he got off to a, a tremendous start and he's just recently been promoted to a uh, high A Lansing now. And then the other guy there, um, Jose uh, Dicochea, um, you know, he was a guy you drafted, I think in 2019, had a lot of injury issues. I think he has coming back from Tommy John. I think that was his second Tommy John, if I'm correct. And uh, I don't think he gave up a run in, in April. He's had a, a little rougher time his last couple starts, but looked really phenomenal out of the box in, in April after coming back. Uh, but um, can you talk to me a little bit about those two guys, Jake Garland and uh, Dick Achea? Yeah, with Dico, um, it was his first, and I'm hoping that his second comes after 175 wins for Oakland. Because, <laughs> okay. Bill, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, I was there last year. I think it was – it might have been the year before. There was a bunt on the third baseline. He went to cover it. He fell, and he fell down on his arm, and that's how he had Tommy John. That's, oh. He wasn't pitching. It was from him falling on it, and he tore the ligament falling down his side. All right, we got to do more PFPs and do more balance. <laughs> but you're right, Deco. You know, we're we're not going to let him go eight nine innings, and so it's his first full year of pitching again. I mean, he signed us with us out of high school. But you're right. He and the only glitch, and you know, it's funny sometimes. You sometimes you want starters to learn how to pitch in the third, fourth, fifth inning because automatically when you go to the big leagues, you might not always start when you go right up. So let's get you used to pitching in the first inning and then sometimes coming in in the fourth and fifth. And really the only glitch is when we kind of had an opener and he pitched behind him. But I'm very happy with the way he is progressing um, for really his first full, full year of pitching. Um, And so he is, he's going to be a great kid to watch throw a fastball. We, we just got to get his delivery timed up a little bit, a little bit, which you do almost with everyone, you know, right. but, but he can spin it, got a good change up. Um, and he's got a live arm. Um, and then, like you said, with, uh, uh, Garland, you know how the pitch clock is like 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it was four seconds, he would never have a word. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, he, he, he could throw a game in an hour and 44 minutes, you know, <laughs> and that's how quick he works. He can sink it. Now, you're right. When you look at his stuff, you're not going to say, oh, my gosh, this is tremendous. But he can sink it. He pounds a strike zone, get a nice feel for a little curveball and slider and change. And he's, he's earned the right to go where he's going here when I see him next week in Lansing. And so 
Uh, it's just a, a credit to the kid. He's just, we haven't done a whole lot with him. Uh, you know, a few things, but nothing major. And he's, it's been great. I'm really happy with his progression. Really happy. Yeah, it's always good to see those guys kind of come out of nowhere and really make a mark and, uh, uh, you know, kind of uh, do, do what they need to do for themselves to put themselves on the radar. Uh, before I let you go, let me ask you for updates on a couple guys that everyone's always curious about. Uh, first is Gunnar Hoagland. As we know, he hasn't pitched a lot since he's joined the A system. Uh, do we know where he's at, what, when we may be able to expect him, presumably in Stockton? And then also your most recent uh, Cuban signee, Luis Morales. Uh, He's been down in the Dominican, I believe. But uh, can you tell me what, what we can expect to, to see from those two guys going forward? Yes, I can. And don't forget Acton. Acton had a great debut oh, yeah. in, uh, in, in Oakland. But uh, Morales, uh, Craig Lefferts, uh, and our Latin American staff, including Jim Gott have done just, uh, and Pike, have kind of just given him a throwing program to, to slowly but slowly build him up. And he's back. I think if I remember correctly, he's throwing some BPs now and it's very good. The ball jumps out of his hand. And I think going forward, uh, it's going to be wonderful to see. Um, did you, do you think there's a, do you think there's a chance we may see him in Stockton sometime before the end of this season or, or do you think we might have to wait a little longer on that? Yeah, I think with Morales, maybe until next year. Okay. You know how sometimes there's logistics that come into play that uh, sometimes I'm not always shared with, and sometimes I'm shared with it, but I forget it. But, no, <laughs> I think I think with him it's going to be more of maybe an instruction league thing and then maybe next spring. Okay. Um, but with with uh, Hoagland, or Hoagland it's, it, uh, if I remember right, Lefty gave me a text today in Rick Rodriguez that it was very good outing today. And I think sooner rather than later, uh, we're going to see him in Stockton. Uh, I can't give you a date, um, but I, w- I would say uh, maybe before the end of the month, there's a solid possibility of that. And again, medical kind of tells us when that date is. But from a pitching perspective and quality of pitches, it looked like today was awfully good, Bill. Okay, well, that's definitely good to hear. It'll definitely be exciting to see him uh, out on the mound uh, showing what he can do uh, sooner rather than later, as you said. Yes. So, All right, well, thank you so much, Gil. As, uh, as, as we know, you know more about these guys than just about anyone. So if we're going to talk to anyone about A's pitching prospects, there's no one better than you, and we certainly appreciate you taking the time to share your insights with us today. My pleasure, my friend. Don't forget about Tomioka, too. Tomioka's coming, too. Yeah, I, 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 I should always ask you, who should we talk about that we haven't talked about? And uh, there there you go. There's one right there. So, <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for throwing that, that, that on, the, on the fire before we go. And uh, we'll look to, forward to talking to you about more of these guys soon. All right, my friend. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate it. And thanks to all of you out there for listening to this edition of our A's Farm podcast. Be sure to check back in for the next episode. And don't forget that you can always find updates on the A's top prospects and all the daily action in the A's minor league system on our A's Farm website at athleticsfarm.com. That's athleticsfarm.com. Thanks again. I'm A's Farm Editor-in-Chief Bill Moriarty, and we'll see you again down on the farm. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Farm. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 